Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Had a uh, very productive morning yesterday. Oh, yeah? I saw you tweeted that you had been coding. Uh, yeah, I coded a lot. Do you remember when I was doing the work gym thing from Ultraworking? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I did another session of that. I signed up again to... Basically, it's four hours of um, cycles of 30 minutes of work and then 10 minutes of break. Mm-hmm. So it was great. I uh, really got in the zone and cranked out um, a bunch of code for sending new analytics events. Oh, nice. Uh, which is uh, handy. It's a thing I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, and now we have a beautiful funnel report so I can see where people are dropping off in the sign-up process. Ooh, that's nice. What, uh, what tools did you end up using for that? All these events are coming from the back end so far. And so that's Ruby. We're using Segment to fan out the events. So basically trigger an event in Segment, and then it flows to like Mixpanel, uh, which is what we're using for the analytics side. Okay, okay. I've been kind of in the market for a tool, but those, like, the tool is similar to Mixpanel. There's like Amplitude and Heap and a couple other ones, but like they tend to have very um, concerning pricing schemes for me. <laughs> I think Mixpanel is one of the ones that is actually more of a kind of standard tiered based thing, which I definitely prefer over the, it's free until you reach the contact us for pricing level, which I think is what Amplitude's at and just scares me. Like, am I going to fall over some cliff and suddenly like, wow, that's, that's what their pricing is. That's really interesting. I think so. I think so. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's bold. Mm-hmm. Huh. Amplitude and Mixpanel both have like very generous startup-y things, startup discount plans. Like, I think we are using the segment startup program to get cheap segment and cheap mix panel, although that might have expired now. We might just, actually, no, I lied. We're, we're paying for mix panel now, but it's pretty reasonable. Okay, cool. And oh, one other question on this, because I've been thinking about this problem space for a while. Are you sending just like customer data or are you also tracking like website visits to see the funnel from like anonymous through to converting? Do you know? Uh, I do know. Uh, right now, we're just doing uh, like post sign in events. Okay. Okay. We're not just doing page, not doing page views. Got it. Okay. Uh, that does make it, I think, more expensive when you start doing that because, like, they'll off like segment is is based on like monthly tracked users. So if you start like a tracking a, an anonymous users to your landing page, like suddenly you have thousands of additional quote unquote users, but. I think eventually we might do that, the fancier tracking, but right now I'm pretty happy with just like the funnel starting out. Like, okay, they actually, you know, signed up for an account. So I can't wait to dig into these funnel reports. What's your main objective then? You're trying to figure out like the spots where people get stuck or you're trying to figure out like attribution on where they came from and and see what their cohort looks like or like what are, what's kind of your high level goals with this? Um, my goals are to find out what part of like the signup process is, is most leaky. So like, where, where are we losing people? Because it's, it's actually a kind of a rough signup funnel compared to like a pure web app because you have this like app download and install and permissions. And then also like you can't pair by yourself. So you need to have invited somebody or like connect with them and then do a call with them. So it's, it's kind of, it can be tricky to get the full thing going. We don't have visibility quite yet into what part of that is the worst, the leakiest. Right. That'll be really nice to have. Yeah. When people sign up for Savvy Cal, they get dumped into an onboarding flow, and it is pretty straightforward. But there's one step where it's like, hey, if you're using Zoom, click here to connect your Zoom account. I've heard this from a couple of people, and I need to test out this flow better for myself. But like, 
it, for some people, if they're using like an organization Zoom account, it will basically say like your organization owner needs to provide permissions in order for you to do this. And it kind of just halts their process. Like they're unable to link it to Savvy Cal. And then like, I don't know if there's like a back button or a close button on that screen that then takes them back nowhere. But several people have reported like, yeah, I tried to get onboarded and I just totally got stuck and lost and I don't know where to, what to do now. So sorry. <laughs> so that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, when someone when someone else's website is part of your sign up flow, that's a little rough. Like where's the Zoom auth happen in your sign up flow? You, I guess you could push it to the end or like until after you have some contact info for the person at least, right? I don't know, depending on if I have control over what the redirect back type of situation is, like if it's like, hey, we're, you need to get permission, and then if they click a button and it takes them back to, like maybe I can control what step it takes them back to, it's like, no worries, we can do that later, here, we'll get you into the account, you know, maybe something like that. But mm-hmm. yep. Or the old classic, just open in a new tab kind of thing. Right, yep, yeah, that's true. That might be a quicker, quicker fix for now, at least. <laughs> yeah, and so there's one other thing that I'm really interested to look at which is so now we're setting an event when someone when a team owner removes a user i'm also sending along with that event like how many calls did that person do and when was the last one Hmm. interesting i have this hunch there's kind of like this like undertow of people who got invited and then never really used it and then get removed after some period of time and we just kind of like lost lost that user so i'm looking forward to seeing a report of like what that what that actually looks like if that's true right right that was good. It was just nice to get and write code for a while, too. That was really fun. Like, be in the, the coding zone. Yeah, what made you decide to do that yourself versus have, like, Joel do it? Or Yeah, I don't know. I just needed a project for this this session. And I was like, well, I want this to get done, and coding sounds fun, so I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. So you still got it? Still, I uh, got enough of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> still remember the, the buttons to press. That's nice. That's good. Yeah. We have our... Uh, designer starting next week on Monday. So his first project is going to be building us a landing page for our in-progress Linux client. I am going to do some sort of early access program. So kind of like if you want to hear what we're launching, enter your email, and then you do, and it's like, great, thanks, you're on the list. By the way, if you want to get in the the early access group, click here for information, and then have kind of like another like sales page basically for getting the earliest access to the the alpha slash beta. Mm-hmm. What's the like marketing strategy going to look like for this page? I think it's all the bullet points that you would probably guess, which is like you get access to it as soon as like as soon as possible. You're going to have access to it through the like alpha and beta, which will be some number of months. You get a front row seat at the early development process. So you can help kind of shape the things that goes on, and you get the the warm fuzzy feelings of supporting a bootstrapped company making a good product for Linux, of which there are not a ton. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I have a I have a price point in my head that I want to try, uh, and um, uh, we'll see how how people respond to it. Cool. I will be uh, curious to see how this works out. Me too. Yeah. But even if the even if we don't, uh, the money is not the most interesting part. Like it'll be it'll be cool to grab some revenue from that. But it's mostly like building the core group of really excited enthusiasts to help us make something really good that I'm interested in. So I'll be tweaking that. That's cool. And is this pitch primarily going to go out like via email to your existing user base? I mean, you'll probably obviously tweet about it, but any other plans for like for promoting this? Loosely, definitely want to tell the existing customers about it. Definitely will tweet about it and talk about it. But it, honestly, like the one of the biggest uses for this that I see is 
just like sending it to people that ask us about, hey, are you going to do a Linux client? Because we, we get that question basically every day now. So having a place you can say yes and go here and then, you know, that turns into hopefully an e subscriber and maybe even revenue and uh, is, is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Actually, that, that just brought something to mind that I want to run past you to get your quick take mm-hmm. on. So we have plans to do calendar integrations with a bunch of other calendars in addition to Google Calendar. Like Outlook is kind of the, the next demanded one, followed by Apple Calendar or iCloud, I guess. And people periodically like email me and say like, hey, is there an email list somewhere where I can like sign up to be notified about this? Because I really... this. I want to know when this goes live or whatever. And I my usually my response is just like, yeah, I can de- I'll definitely put you down on the list and I'm just keeping a list going of people who have requested it. But I wonder if I should be having like a a link on the marketing site that's like more passive where someone could just drop their email in as like I want this thing. Yeah. I think so. I like making the personal contact like if someone goes to the trouble of emailing me that shows that they really have they're willing to go like take an extra step to really ask me for this, you know? So I take that, like that carries a little bit more weight for me, but also like maybe it's not worth, you know, having that much friction. Maybe I should just, just have like an email form that someone drops their email into um, publicly. Right. You're, you're getting the diehards now, but not the drive-bys. Yeah. Right. 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 Having for us like a Linux page is like another page that can like rank in Google. If someone happens to search like tuple app Linux or something. It's just having more like traps for people basically that they can fall into and give you their information is uh, is good, I think. Another reason I want to do this is like I feel like it plants more of a flag in the ground too, which is not just like, oh yeah, uh, that guy tweeted one time that they're working on that, so I assume they're working on it. It's like, no, no, it's on the website. Here it is. We're doing it. So like when people are like, oh, like I have a couple developers on my team that are Linux users. Like, should we stick with Tuple? Are they going to make a Linux client? It's like, oh yeah, look, here it is. They're making a Linux client. It's mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like when being able to give people more of a strong signal that something's actually going to happen, even if it's not, you know, immediately imminent. I think there's something powerful to that because so often, I mean, you get inundated with feature requests and a lot of times the response is like, thanks for letting us know. We'll pass that along to the product team. And that, which is kind of just like a blowing you off kind of response. And so, I mean, that's part of what's taking me so long to get through like my backlog of emails from people after the product hunt launch is just that I've been wanting to try to give people more of a strong signal of like, yeah, I'm planning to do this and I'm expecting this will be sometime in this quarter. Like I've been trying to give people a rough quarter estimate. And of course it always carries with it like, you know, obviously no guarantees, things are subject to change. I'm not like, I'm not giving you an exact deadline for this, but here's what I'm kind of thinking. And I feel like that's sort of a breath of fresh air and in, in, as opposed to like the, hmm, we'll take this under consideration, you know. Totally. So. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I published, a, we have a roadmap published now, um, which which we did in the past and now we started doing it again. I like that. I think that's a good a good move. Like for the stuff that we know we're going to do and have a rough timeline on, it's it's nice to be able to send people to that for the same reasons as the Linux landing page. Yeah, yeah. I've been considering doing that. People have asked for it, and there's some risk with with doing it, obviously, because you might not meet expectations or something, but I don't know. Um, I've seen them done before. I guess I haven't looked at yours, but I've seen them done before where it's kind of like, here's near term and someday, and then like even further out from that or something like kind of kind of um, three layers of of rough categories, I guess, which I kind of like that 
that method. It's not too precise, but just maybe feels like the right amount of precision. Yep. Yeah, we have like this quarter, next quarter, I think is how I broke mine down. I feel like it's better to kind of over communicate and then maybe disappoint people than like just be like kind of like, thanks for your feedback. Right. Kind of deal. Yeah. Yep. So I realized I did a, a dumb thing. <laughs> Whoops. We are relaunching a cohort of the Code Quality Challenge, which is a course that I made a while back. And uh, we didn't talk about it last week, which means this episode will not be in, out in time for people to sign up for it. <laughs> Got bitten by that one week ahead release cycle, <laughs> recording yes. cycle. Whoops. Yes. Well, sign up's looking good so far. I think we're over 500 people now for this cohort, which is, or we, we definitely are, and growing. So that's good. Uh, so apologies to anyone that has not heard about it through other channels. Maybe this is a good reason to follow me on Twitter. I don't know. We'll tweet it out from the AOP account uh, today. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. I'll make a note to make sure we do that. Yeah. 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 So the Code Quality Challenge is this month-long email-based course that I made back when I was in my solo days with um, a bunch of exercises for doing small improvements to your code base, like uh, grepping it for to-do comments and deleting them, cleaning up old Git branches, rename, like finding a bad name, auditing your dependencies or your schema, that kind of thing. We are re running a new uh, cohort of people through it. Very cool. And is this kind of tangentially like a tuple marketing production sort of thing? Yes, definitely. Yeah, this, so I actually moved the site under the tuple domain, or rather Dorothy did, who's been helping us out with this. It's not sort of like directly tuple linked other than being on our, our site, but it is kind of definitely tuple sponsored and endorsed and hopefully building the, the brand up. That's very cool. Yeah, I like these kinds of things. It's just like you're providing value into the community. It's loosely affiliated, but it's not like overtly like trying to get people into tuple or something it's just uh it's just a thing you're doing um i like that exactly yep yep and we're gonna do some like tuple swag giveaways for people that are like participating a lot and probably throw them a some sort of you know discounted tuple trial or something like that we'll, we'll find ways to sort of tie it in loosely i think but but yeah it's not uh, it's not too too on the nose nice yeah. i was on a walk somewhere and i was like wait a minute i'm not even using this asset that we have which is this thing that's like fully done has a landing page has the challenges has a forum um this would be pretty easy to reboot and so we did uh and it's it's nice to use stuff already made and then we have our new release dropping on monday it looks like which is cool that's gonna be the one that has like copy and paste and uh native arm support for the m1 processors and uh yeah a few other a few other nice goodies and hopefully no crashiness you know Got to keep that train rolling. Yes, hopefully maintain our, <laughs> our good crashy record. Yeah. So uh, what's what's new in your part of the world? Yeah. Well, so this week has been kind of, um, as I planned from the previous week, like taking the foot off the marketing gas just a little bit to try to catch up on some some product things that I've been wanting to to address for people and mostly focusing on like some smaller, some smaller things. You know, one of the things I was most embarrassed about was that like, the app was pretty much unusable on mobile because like the admin interface, not the booking pages, those were already mobile optimized. But like if you wanted to go in and look at your scheduling links or grab a copy to a link or something, it was like you couldn't because the sidebar wasn't responsive. And so it was like extremely crammed on a phone. So I did a pass on that and just like figured out a, a consistent way to make a responsive sidebar on some of the main pages. You're still like editing a scheduling link itself is not implemented yet but i decided to like kind of ship this one piecemeal figured it was better to at least make the 
some of the main list pages usable, even if I you know didn't do all the all the pages yet. So got that out the door. Worked on a feature that I shipped yesterday that allows people to control their increments of their slot times. So like because we're you know offering a calendar view with ranges of time. Sometimes things would get weird if someone like, especially if someone tried to grab a time slot right at the end of a range, it would kind of anchor the end time for the event right at the end of the range. So it would start on like a five minute increment or something and produce like kind of these weird, weirdly spaced events on people's calendars. I think especially people coming from more slot based scheduling tools were like, like, well, I want to be able to force, you know, force these on top of the hour or half hour mark or whatever. And we just it was just a limitation of the product that we that we couldn't support. So got that shipped. It, that one actually took a little bit of tricky work because it involves communicating with the calendar control. And it's, I'm using a plugin called Full Calendar. When you drop a, an event on the calendar and then you can you can drag it around within a window of time. So like it needs to honor the same increment settings, you know, snapping to 15 minute marks or 30 minute marks or however you have it configured. But there was this, one of those interesting quirks of just a library that it um, when you would change those those increment times, it would make the the calendar appear larger because basically the minor slot increments always had the same height. So if you went to 15 minute increments, there would be four of these blocks within an hour. Or if you went to half hour, there were only two. And so under certain settings, the calendar would just look huge. <laughs> and so this is one of those things like spent, you know, probably four hours on an afternoon, just like digging into their code base, figuring out where the height configuration happens for this and what's the right, right piece to override to make it work well. It took some hackery, but I got it done. And that felt like a, a little bit of a moat digging moment because it's like, yeah, anyone else who wants to try to <laughs> try to make this implement this type of functionality is going to have to go through the same uh, the same struggles. Um, so mm -hmm. that's the beauty of open source using open source tools, too, is being able to go actually go look at oh, yeah. the code oh, yeah. when you're stuck. That's great. Yeah, this is something Spencer's been saying about the Linux development. Mm -hmm. It's like it's nice if you get stuck like on like with like mac os you can actually just go look into something and say like why is it doing this yeah. what the heck is going on yep here? right and i mean this is one of those projects i mean it's so integral to to savvy cow that i'm excited at some point to dig in and like help make contributions back to it too you know like there's some there's some things i want to be able to do like drag a range horizontally instead of just vertically across the calendar to be able to like paint paint different regions and and add you know, override blocks or whatever, but it's just not possible right now. And that'll be a fun one to eventually dig into and and hopefully contribute back to, to the open source project. A couple other things. People in Europe, of course, are accustomed to 24-hour time as opposed to 12-hour time. So adding configuration for that and being able to start weeks on Mondays on week view, that's a standard thing that Europeans do, I think. So you prompting for that on sign up then and like changing those that variables. yeah that actually probably is worth adding to just like yeah a few a few little drop downs right as you're going through onboarding probably makes sense to do that um hmm. yeah or you could do a little uh locate them somehow and make some guesses right yeah that's that's even better so yeah working on some of those things um on the product front and we'll see i don't know i'm still trying to figure out when the right time is to start working on outlook integration um, i've been tentatively penciling that one in for some time this quarter so we have you know we're about one month in now so 
at least we'll probably do some shaping work on that and and like perusing, spending a couple of hours perusing through the API documentation and seeing how closely it aligns with Google Calendar and getting a sense for how big of a lift it's really going to be. A lot of times these these tasks end up being not as bad as you expect them to be. And I'm hoping this is one of those, you know, that would be nice. <laughs> I know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, hopefully it's not too crazy and like we'll give you some nice expansion of your potential market. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, so much demand. And I think people who are using Google Calendar tend to be startups, tend to be like smaller teams that are using a lot of really nice tools today. <laughs> people who are using Outlook at work. I've had enough conversations where like there's enough demonstrated demand. I think I can really make some inroads with this with this crowd. I think their tooling that they're accustomed to is is not nearly as good as the people who are using Google products. So I think there's an opportunity to make to like really level up these people's experience even more than than I'm leveling up some of the the Google users experience, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. We definitely have users that are clearly from like, I guess, like non startup kind of stodgier companies. And they're like, this is so much better than Microsoft Teams. It's like, whoa, okay, yeah. Some of your competition is uh, not so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the bar is so high for like us people who are really finicky with our tools and we use the, you know, we use the latest, hottest tools that are well designed. But like people who are just working at companies with like a Microsoft stack, a lot of times they're, they're having to put up with a lot of nasty stuff. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, gotta gotta ask IT if we can get this approved. Well, I know, and that's that'll be the other that'll be the other kicker. Like, I've had a, a few questions here and there, like, "Hey, do you have SOC two compliance?" And um, you know, I think security. I haven't been asked to do a formal security audit yet, but I know it's coming. You know, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that if you know a, a marketing to the Outlook user crowd comes with a lot more of that type of stuff. But we'll see. Let's see on the marketing front. So we're about about a week into the "We'll buy out your Calendly subscription" campaign, <laughs> and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would say it's it's been like a moderate success. Like it, it definitely wasn't a failure, but you know, I, around twenty takers so far. And I think you know, by and large, a lot of people who were already kind of familiar with the product and had already wanted to use it but were just struggling with the fact that they felt locked into their subscription. It's, and that's really the exact like yeah, there's some there's some, you know, marketing buzz generated from this and and that's all good, but like really I was trying to do this as a service to people who were like like expressing the sentiment that like oh, I really want to switch but I just can't justify because I've sunk so much money into my annual subscription with Calendly. So um so it feels good as like doing a service to to people who are already already on the path to wanting to switch. Um, and so, nice. I mean, 20 new annual subscriptions is, is not too yeah, bad. Yeah, not too shabby at not all. Not so shabby. Yep. Right. And so I think what we're planning to do is, like, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to just keep this, you know, keep this floating around and, and kind of just idling in the background. So I think we're going to put a cap on it. And when we send out our product updates email for the month of January, um, you know, anyone who's kind of in the, not yet converted to trial phase yet, we're going to let them know like, hey, you have one more week to take us up on this offer and then we're going to close the doors on it for now. Um, why Why stop doing it? Um, I think it's like, I'm curious to see if there's people who are just dragging their feet on it, expecting it to be around for a while, you know? So I think, I don't know, I think it makes sense to to kind of incentivize people a little bit to to make a call, 
but it's something we can experiment with. We can always bring it back to, but yeah, I don't know if there was enough, enough impetus to like, to really move on it, um, for, for a lot of people, because I would have expected more people to, to bite on it, to be honest. So that'll just be an experiment. I think that's all I had written down. It was mostly a heads down week for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, nice. Well, seems like a good list. Yeah. I had that experience yesterday where I wanted to send someone a link with their, all their info pre-filled, but I didn't quite want to make like a new meeting link for them from scratch. Any progress on the per, the URL params variant of this? Thing? Oh yeah, you yeah. can do that today. So you can do their oh nice. you can do their name and email email query string param and display underscore name are both available today. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yep. That's great. Yep. I should probably work on work on surfacing that somewhere in the UI so people know about it. It's it's in, written up in a doc somewhere, but it's yeah you wouldn't necessarily uh, know unless you hunted around in the docs for it. So. Right. Or did you mention it in like a marketing email or anything or no? Um, I think that was implemented in January. So it'll go out in a, it'll go out in a product update email. It was probably mentioned in like the headway change log somewhere, but, um, huh. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Well, nice. That'll be, that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a handy one. That's my preferred way to, to use it. Yeah. Or, or I think it will be. Yeah. I think, I think my plan for, ultimately surfacing that is going to be like when you're previewing your link some kind of control like up on the top bar where it's like it's like the the little bar that tells you when you're previewing your own link it's like hey you're looking at a preview of your own link here's a toggle to enable or disable it and i'm thinking i'll add something there that's like hey quickly like pre-fill pre-fill information without without turning this into a fully personalized link and you click a thing and you can just type in their name and email and it'll give you a URL you can copy that puts it in there for you. If someone's technical, they'll kind of know how to form a query string, but non-technical people, that's t- too big of an ask, you know? So so um, that's kind of what I'm thinking for that. Cool. Yeah, um, do you have a sense today of like how technical your user base is? I mean, it, it is a lot of founders of software companies. So I would say decently technical, but but becoming less so. You know, I've definitely seen people coming through who are just like small business owners and probably not developers, you know, so, so I don't want to be making that assumption in too many areas of the, of the product. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it. All right. Notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.